What up, everybody, and welcome back to On the Break, the Would Someone Just Bring Basketball Back, God damn it, of edition. It's J-Mac and Kyle Beats. What's going on, man? How you doing? What up, man? Glad to be back. Um, actually, back with some positive news, it looks like, right? Sure. We'll see. Sure. We'll get into we'll that. See. I'm starting to feel a little more optimistic. Clearly, by your uh, your title here, you're not as optimistic as I am, but no, I that's just kind of been basketball. the cinema- that's been our sentiments the whole time, though. You've been a little bit more on the pessimistic side or maybe more realistic side, and I've I've been a little more optimistic, but we'll see. Yeah. I'm, I'm feeling good. It's just weird how, like, we were talking about it before we hopped on here, like, parts of the South are just ready to go, like, let's fire up the economy, and Los Angeles is being extended out through July, and yeah. it's like, is one being overly cautious? Is one being overly aggressive? You know, it's it's just interesting to see the – division there it is and i mean there's a lot that goes into that and i think there's i think there's this kind of sentiment right now of like we're really still in a holding pattern and i like i think that my position on it has been that i want to do i want basketball to come back and and all sports to come back first and foremost i've really enjoyed watching the korean baseball league like actually play a sport and it doesn't sound as like thrilling as you think but when there's no other options How's the bad. Korean ball hold up, though? It's not bad, dude. It's actually pretty yeah. decent. It's like like double A level, maybe. Uh, more like somewhere between probably triple A and double A, maybe even a little bit of okay. major league mixed in. Solid. Just, yeah, some some decent play. And again, there's nothing else, so it doesn't really, you know, there's not a whole lot to compare it to. But UFC is back. It is, and I think German soccer is coming back soon yep. or so, something like that. Yep. So like, there's stuff starting to happen a little bit, and I'm, I, I think like when I look at all this, I'm really, I want all this stuff to come back, but I want it to come back safely. And I don't want people and players to be at risk because of this. And I just, I would hate for us to jump the gun on it and then it make it 10 times worse. And that's probably my biggest fear for it all. And I really just think that a lot of people I think are tired of being at home. And I get that. I'm fucking tired of it too. I think we yep. pretty much missed a lot of the spring and people are ready to get out and do things. And I get that. I'm not, I'm not immune to that either, but I, I just worry that we're maybe moving a little fast when we don't even, I mean, testing isn't really even standardized yet. And they're going to have to figure all that out first and foremost. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a case by case situation when you look at sports though, right? Like golf sure. is obviously much more doable than the NBA is. There's a big PGA match this weekend for charity. Right. It's just naturally a more spread out sport. You're outdoors where things are, you know, less likely to be, uh, you know, bacteria traveling in the air. Yeah. And it's a, it's a solo sport. I mean, basketball, you're talking about guys not only, you know, rubbing up against each other, but the amount of people it takes to put a basketball game on, it's just so much different. So that's going to be a case by case situation. And then, you know, obviously other countries are probably going to bring back sports you know, sooner than the United States, maybe not because we definitely care about sports as, as much as any country, if not more, but I think they're in a position just from a healthcare standpoint to bring it back quicker. I just, I don't know, man. I, I agree. I think we could be jumping the gun, but if we do a really, as I've told you here before, if we do a really expedited version of the NBA season in a, in a playoff format, like, Throw, throw the rings counting for LeBron thing out because obviously that's that's what I want to happen. But it's like, I just want to see basketball at this point. Sure. Yeah, like, I, I don't even that. care how it's marked in history. Yeah, no, I get that. I, I'm with you. I, I'm 
I'm I think the MJ doc and we're going to talk that here in just a few minutes. I, I think that's fueled my hunger for wanting to watch more basketball. And, and it's just that time of year, too. We're used to being into playoffs where we've got a million storylines going on. We're, you know, li- actually listening to Bill Simmons. We're, you know, there's a lot that's going on that we <laughs> typically do that we're not able to. And I think that's part of you know the the need to do this i just i worry about the safety of it that's all and i'm i'm wanted back just as much as everybody else but i think it's it's important that we look at it in perspective and while i think it's positive that we're starting to look at pro- progress towards some ideas and and maybe starting to try to figure out how we're going to do this and how this would all work and all that i mean when i i was looking at the woge article before we came on the air that he he put out this afternoon and one line in it struck out, stuck out to me. While there's a lot of positivity, it did say the NBA shared with its owners several factors that it plans to study over the next two to four weeks before deciding on restarting the league. So that's two to four mm. weeks from a decision on right. what's going to happen. So we're still like, you know, and, and that's how you have to play this, though, right? Like, there's no other way. No, but I mean, I agree. But if you look at it, it's May 13th, so two weeks. So we're looking at basically the end of May before a decision's made. Say they implement it a week later. I mean, we're already in the second week of June. That could be, I mean, that's going to be really weird with the schedule, right? They're going to have to expedite the season greatly because they're not going to want that to overlap. They don't want the finals to overlap with like opening day of NFL if that's on on schedule. Or or baseball. I think the NBA finals feels comfortable competing with baseball. For television, sure, but you've got all three of those mixed together. If that's the yeah, case, yeah, that that would be brutal. I think the NFL would dominate still. Well, of course, but right. it's it's still market share that you're competing for. Correct, because we're going to well, come back and be inundated with it all. You agree, though? They got to finish the season by like end of July, right? Yeah. Well, I don't think a regular season game is going to be played. That's my personal. Well, that's opinion. what I'm saying. Complete the 2019 2020 season in its entirety. Playoffs have to be done. Finals are over. Has to be. End of July. Has to be, and then you start at Christmas. Right. Because you've got to have an off That's just the new schedule. Yeah. Which I, lo- I love that part of it. Yeah, we've talked about that at length. It just matches up way better for baseball and football, especially. Yeah. It gives everybody their own pers- like respective slot throughout the year, and I think that helps all audiences. But I think... I just think, though, that you, I mean, you're definitely not going to see a regular season game. That's done with. But they, they're they looking at, and so baseball is starting to deal with this, too. And I'm sure that, I mean, the NFL is kind of in a weird place because they just signed a new CBA like six weeks ago. Right. So that's uh, that more like two months ago now, actually. Um, but it's very, that's very, very new. And it's that seems to, I mean, their season hasn't started or gotten close to starting yet. So they're kind of in a unique position here. But they're starting to deal with this whole, like, you know, how are we going to handle this financially? And and they're going to want to make up revenue for losses of games from March or basically February all the way to the playoffs. And so, yeah. you know, there's talk of expanding to like a, a 16, you know, C type playoff situation. And then you've got, you know, play in tournaments and stuff like that. There's a lot of things on the table that I think are great ideas. I just think it's important that while we're ex- looking for hope that we don't get ahead of ourselves and and think it's coming back tomorrow, I guess, because, man, that'd be great, but I just don't think we're there. Yeah, we can't get ahead of ourselves, and at the end of the day, if Adam Silver makes the decision that, you know, we can't do this because it's selfish from a testing standpoint, um, the amount of tests that we consume of, for daily testing, then then so be it. I ultimately think a decision will go in, in the 
in our favor after reading this. Um, it mentioned the, you know, the 10 stars that were on the call, um, LeBron, AD, Kawhi, everybody. And, you know, they're all in favor of bringing it back, obviously. I, I feel like there's pressure from media. There's pressure from players on Adam Silver to bring this back. And, and the owners, I think, are ultimately on board for the most part. There's going to be split decisions there, of course. Sure. And this is going to be a – it's going to be a very big moment for – Adam Silver to navigate through, you know, but like just before we came on the air, I saw that the Drew League canceled their season for this com this summer. Mm. And it's okay. like, I just I, like, that's one of the most popular hard ass basketball leagues there is. Yep. And they're, they're out on it. So I, I, I don't know. I, I think, you know, there, there are ways that you could probably do it, but man, like the, I think what they have to do is get everybody to a place where, one negative test isn't going to shut the whole thing down. And Correct. that's, that's kind of where we've been with the Korean baseball organization, which has been interesting to watch because one negative test, it shuts the whole thing down for two weeks. So, but the way I was interpreting the Woj article was if, you know, we have a negative or a positive test, excuse me, they're not going to, they're trying to get to a point where they can have a positive test quarantine, but keep things moving. Well, I think, my interpretation of that, because Adam Silver said something to the effect of, uh, let me read the quote that way. Uh, so he said he told everybody on the call that if positive tests would shut us down, we probably shouldn't go down this path. So in other words, okay. if one positive test is going to freak everybody to hell out, we can't like if we're not to a place where that isn't the reality of everybody can say, OK, well, Josh got it because Josh would be the guy on, on the break to get it. Uh, Josh got the Rona. Kyle and I are going to keep going. You know what I mean? But versus like, oh, no, we're not. We're, we're all good. You know what I'm saying? Like, they've got to get to a place where everybody's comfortable with if somebody does test positive, that they can keep going. And it's not going to two weeks is just them buying time right. to see if anybody, if everybody feels more on board with that. Sure. And I'll believe it when I see it kind of thing, too. But they're doing active testing and all that. And they've got all that figured out. Whereas we're still working on that. And that's okay. Like, we're. You know, that uh, that's another conversation for another day, depending on how you feel about it. But, I mean, there's, testing still just isn't there, I don't think. No, but... But we'll get there it, quick. I mean, you know, progress comes every day. Yeah, I just think it's going to be a matter of, do we have enough disposable tests to where it's not going to be like a consumption issue? Right. Where it's going to be like like it's been talked about, at like, like a PR hit to them. That's obviously what they're looking at. But they're definitely just using this two weeks to buy time. Well, that's that's for baseball. So, like, that's its own thing. Oh, you're talking about, like, as far as, like, what the league's going to do, you mean? Yeah, they're just, yeah. they just keep trying to buy time for sure. people to become more comfortable, which I just – I think uncertainty is going to continue to be there in two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, whatever it may be. I just think that there's this – again, I don't want to get into the, you know, all the aspects of – you know some of this stuff but i think that there's an urgency on, in a lot of places to normalize this and to make this kind of the everyday thing and oh well, we go out with a mask so we're good you know and, and that kind of deal and it's just it, it, on with everyday life and at some point we're going to get to that and the new normal is going to be weird for a while right but like at the same time like it's important that we're not rushing things just to rush them and that we can do this properly and i think that's where adam silver is going to come at this best but you're right they're just buying time to see what happens I just yeah, fear fear the normal normal life. I I do have faith in Adam Silver, right? Like out of all the commissioners 
of yeah. the four major sports. I don't even know who hockey's is. I can't pretend the three major sports in my eyes, you know, he's easily the best. It's undebatable. He's really been solid the entire time he's been the commissioner for since 2014. 2014. Yeah. You, yeah. you don't know who Gary Bettman is? No. Yeah, he's the commissioner that, of the NHL. There you go. Good <laughs> Good overall knowledge. Yeah, no, I have. Um, I don't watch hockey. I, I'm surprised. I'm shocked that I know that. Uh, <laughs> I just want to make sure if they do a playoff system, if we are going to bring this thing back. Let's do the 16 and just or or the top 12 records if you're going to do 12. So Dallas gets in because Dallas, I believe, was at the seven seed. Yeah. And so if they just did top six, top six, they would get screwed, even though they have a better record than the sixth seed in the East. So that's true. Well, <laughs> I I really hope. I don't want to bitch about this again this year. I've already bitched about this, but like, I hope that they don't use this as another thing to shoehorn some sort of tournament or some sort of weird ass rule implementation down fans' throats again, like they did with the Kobe thing with the All Star yeah. game. That was bizarre. It was competitive, but it was bizarre. It was. It was. I, I think if we get a tournament that goes well, we're going to also get more of the midseason tournament rumblings that people wanted last last year that's what i'm afraid of for sure i'm so against that idea the more i think about it i know you are i, <laughs> I think that's very possible though if this tournament's successful which that's, that's the problem that's success, what i'm afraid of <laughs> i think its success could be overrated too because people are going to be just so thirsty to see any kind of sports oh, being played dude, that's gonna make and it's it going to so be much. overblown with how how well, quality that tournament was because these guys aren't going to be 100 percent if they don't get any warm-up games like dude those first rounds like Dallas could beat the Lakers like crazy. Something crazy could happen. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you could have a you could have injuries galore on any team anywhere. Like I told you, as a Celtics fan, I love the the potential for this because who knows what could happen, right? But I mean, it's I just I wonder about that too. Like we and we've talked about that a lot already. Is just like warm up time and and you know pace time and just getting ready. Like how how much time do we need to get back in basketball shape? I just, I we we just watched. We the, as in me and you, or as in NBA no, players? NBA players, but like we just watched uh, the Michael Jordan, you know, doc the seven and eight here a second ago or a little bit ago when, you know, you watched him struggle to get back into shape and you know, during the playoffs, and he was he was off. He wasn't MJ in those playoffs. And yeah, I mean the way you train for baseball is certainly different than basketball, right? There's no a, for sure, but like you haven't been trained. Like how have you been? forming team chemistry. I mean, there's just so much at stake there. It is kind of crazy too how long it took MJ to get into shape and it's like, you know, it's not it's not like he wasn't working. Like yeah. he was definitely putting work in. Oh, we're going to get to that. Let, let's not uh run over that cuz that's definitely going to be worth noting. But I want to talk I want to talk about something you sent me earlier this week about and you 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 know, you mentioned that the MJ dog was making you like hype just for competition to be back, although I just think you know, after seeing some of these highlights, we go and watch regular season basketball. If that happens or, or 2020 basketball, it's going to be like, stinks. oh, wait, these guys aren't like that. Yes. It's going to be super disappointing, right? So, Dude, we, I mean, you got a couple of guys, but it's not nowhere near that. Um, and the thing is, we just took a walk on the wild side by going through our top 30 players of all time. So we've been watching a lot of vintage ball. Yeah. And MJ's MJ's uh, film, <laughs> needless to say, holds up well. Yeah. Sure does. It's amazing. Super translatable to 2020. Um, but you you sent me something earlier this week that was basically saying, you know, of all these stars, who would MJ was it like the most? 
So I think I picked one of each. That's why I didn't. I, I think it was who would he hate the most. Yeah, and, I'm, uh, I'm looking real quick. Let me find it. I want to make sure we don't misquote it here. No, it, it was that. It was which one would he hate the most? Yeah. Okay. I want to make, I want to run down the list though. Go ahead. Okay. Hold on. I'm, I'm still letting it load up because, you know, technology. So I, I was interested in this list because of the actual question that it asked though, right? Like, who would he? The whole league should be the answer because that's how he would think everybody's way too soft. So soft. Maybe like five guys would meet his standards in the entire NBA at this point. And even then, I don't even know. I really don't. I, I don't. I mean, Kyrie couldn't deal with LeBron. And I mean, I think... yeah, but Kyrie is a, a different guy. Like, I definitely think Kawhi Leonard could be Michael Jordan's teammate. Yeah, I, I think that's accurate. Steph Curry. I uh, I think so. I think they have a similar mentality. I don't. I don't know. I mean, nobody has. No, they're that both mentality. charismatic, but Steph's a really good team player and would just let it let, let it, it ride it and understand what he's trying to do. And I think that matters. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, start with the ones that you're. Well, I, I'm but still the list. Oh yeah. I mean, it's easy. It's absolutely a no-brainer to me of who. Of all the major stars in the NBA right now, who would MJ hate the most as a teammate or as an opposing player? Definitely as a teammate, because that's how I think it was phrased, is Joel Embiid or James Harden. Those are the two for me. You thought it was Jimmy Butler, which I disagreed with. I thought Jimmy Butler would be one that MJ would actually love because he's two-way player, you know, obviously super athletic and a really hard competitor versus Harden, who MJ would absolutely lose his shit from him just dribbling between his legs for 18 seconds and taking a 30-footer, or Embiid, who might have a stomach ache. Um, you know, it would be the, the Scotty migraine headache right. game, but, you know, 10 times a year. So I read this, though, as... So, like, I think, like, what you were saying about Kawhi and everything makes a lot of sense because I think they could be teammates because they could coexist really well. So, like, the way that I viewed this question of who would Michael Jordan hate the most... It like what where my mind went was more about like first of all like being able to tolerate each other because I think it took a very specific type of person to be able to deal with MJ at yeah. all and I just like so like Jimmy Butler was the first one on this list where while I see like I, I could I could see their play and their mentality being similar I don't see Jimmy Butler cowing down to him. No, not at all. So you were looking at it more from like a competitor standpoint Correct. if they were competing against each other. Yeah, or with yeah, each other. Yeah, I think there would be somewhat of a respect factor there, though. I think like MJ would not respect Joel Embiid the way he respects Jimmy Butler, whether he liked him as much or not. Uh, yeah, that's fair. I'm surprised that Ben Simmons didn't get more love. I think he would hate Ben Simmons. Yeah, but I think Ben Simmons is talented. He's just and and works really hard. He's just really timid, so he would hate that. But it's. <laughs> Dude, but yeah, that's the that's thing. Like, he would love Giannis a hundred percent. Yes, because Giannis is. A, I mean, that be that's a no brainer. They work the exact same way. He wants to get better every every year. You every know, like game. He, yeah, he's super motivated. So I think that that's a no brainer. It was a it was an interesting question. I mean, that's the kind of things we're like analyzing now, and we love doing this. You know, era comparison, and I think I've gotten to a point because I used to be big on comparing eras and obviously explaining the what I see as a huge progression in the, the sport of basketball, but, you know, you really can't do it. It's not fair to do that. 
MJ would hold up no matter what, though. I think like so, I, too. I said that last time. So you could drop him on a team in 2050. He'll be good. I, and I agree with that. And I think, like, we talked about that with players like Shaq and, you know, a lot of different players who would, who we still think would be dominant today. And I don't think it's even a question. But I'm, I think that we have kind of dove down into that so much. And what I've really come to is, like, a overall realization is that you just really can't compare the eras because they all, for different reasons, were made differently and they the best players that we came up with on our top 30 list were the ones ultimately that helped tell the story and translate basketball from generation to generation and that's the commonality that i thought was so interesting and like i thought honestly like my favorites were like that 30 through 20 range where we really had a differing opinion on who did what but i think that opened our eyes a lot to just the overall era to era translation and what that would mean and like how game. you see the game and how you see the eras stacking up against one another and what kind of weight you put in that right um another player on that list that i think would be very high as far as guys that michael jordan would like is clay thompson he was on oh, that list well. i mean yeah how could you not love clay that's what i'm saying and just i mean he, he does he plays his role as well as anyone he's a two-way guy i think that i i would worry my only thing there is that clay's high all the time and i think Jordan wouldn't put up with that. But practice. I think if he scored 37 and a quarter in lock dudes, he's yeah. going to be like, you know what? I don't give a shit. He let Rodman leave to Vegas for 48 hours. Sure, but he, he rode everybody on I wouldn't say team. he let him, but it yeah. happened. He he rode everybody on that team, though, and like that's something, um, it, like I said, we'll get into the actual doc here in a few minutes, but like he rode everybody so hard, and it was obvious. And I don't, I, I just wonder about some of the guys' mentalities of today and whether they could stand that. Yeah, it's, it's it'd be a very select few, right? So, yeah, it's an interesting discussion, though. We'll we'll keep it up. I, I'm hoping basketball comes back, man. I would love to see some sort of playoffs. I think it, it'll be an absolute shit show calamity, no matter what happens. And I love the randomness of what could happen. So, I'm I'm, I'm stoked for it. I'm hoping. Well, we've got the last dance episode. We got to so we got to go into seven and eight. We've got two more to go after this. I thought seven and eight as a whole were really interesting. I I thought it was the two best episodes thus far, easily. Yeah. Okay. I I don't hate that take. Um, tell me kind of oh, big you know kind of big picture why you're that's your take. I mean, I thought we got the most. I think we got our answer. Something we've hinted at pretty hard on this show is the gambling you know rumors or you know, gambling issues with Michael Jordan. And I think those were, I don't want to say debunked, but certainly addressed much more than I thought they would be. And at this point, based on that information, I certainly don't think that's true. I think, you know, if it is, they did a really good job of writing. the uh, But yeah, I, I thought we see, saw Jordan open up like on the interview side of it and the behind the scenes um, with the teammates more in this episode than we did in episode seven than we did at all. Um, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Then five or six, you said? One through six. Oh, even. one through six. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. I think this was definitely a more raw side in, in a, a couple of different ways. And you're, you're really, you're starting to see kind of the exhaustion. And I think that's the part that, you know, I was even a little young at the time to to be cognizant of, of just the toll that three straight championships can take on a guy and, and how, I mean, 
by all intents and purposes, you could tell he just got exhausted by it all. And and I think going to play baseball really helped him become just be one of the guys. He didn't have to be Michael Jordan there. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that's what he was looking for. But, yeah. it, it, dude, that was crazy seeing him walk into those stands and it's just – packed out with a thousand people yeah two thousand people in a minor league park just people asking for autographs like i mean i'm sure you've gone and watched you know the guys playing frisco like, it's not usually like that no definitely not very family they let him play triple a ball double a he started yeah. in double yeah yeah he played for the white Sox. i, I man like so i i agree with you i think like the, so I, I didn't expect them to address that dead on and I think they did kind of sew that story together really well because that was definitely the story. But, man, there are a lot of things that line up really, really well for that conspiracy theory more than anything else. And it's fascinating to me. Like, I, I thought that they provided really good reason for the other side of it, and I, I think I believe that. I really do feel like he was just exhausted, and, and I think he just needed to be away from it all, and he just got beat down by it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I mean, you, you can't blame him, really, after you, like, go back and look at it. Now, you like you said, when you're a kid, you don't even realize, really, what's going on. Um, like, I certainly didn't realize that watching Space Jam, that this guy was, like, you know, retiring and coming back and had been that just sick and tired of the fame of basketball. I never realized that, but it's not hard to – kind of empathize for him i would say which i never thought i would say but going back and watching it it's a really tough situation he had accomplished like he said he didn't feel challenged right he accomplished everything that he thought he was going to and then more yeah uh, but it, it really did sound like part of the reason he came back is because they added the four expansion teams and saw the league really get diluted and thought he had an opportunity to come back and and win more yeah i think so and i mean People debate this all day long, but he was not a good baseball player. Like, he just wasn't. I mean, he yeah, batted. swing didn't look pretty. I mean, I'm not trying to break down the fundamentals. Uh, not good. Not know. good. And, and there's nothing wrong with being, like, there are a lot of good baseball players. But, like, there's a thing that's called the Mendoza line that's the 200 mark as far as batting average. And batting average is somewhat of an outdated term at this point as far as statistics go in baseball. But it, it's always a, a general baseline that everybody understands. He batted 202 in 127 games. Like, that's not very good. That's striking out a whole, whole, whole lot. Um, at double-A level, right? At double-A level. And, like, to be fair, he's a pro basketball player trying to play baseball. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, do you think Do you think he would have gone pro? <clears throat> I know you said, you know, it's Michael Jordan. He'd put that work in. He might have not gone pro, though. Oh, dude, I don't think so. I, I don't think he was gifted in that way. I don't, I, I think not in the same way he's gifted in basketball. It's a different mentality. It's 162 games a year. And while basketball is 82, and I'm not discounting it by any means, it's, it's just a weird, different grinding tax. It's a slow, slow burn. And I just think he's probably too competitive for that in the bigger picture of it, or was. That's fair, but he he might have gone pro just because he's Michael Jordan, and that would attract so much. That would just put asses in seats, oh. and you know, you know, games in May in Tampa aren't selling out. Right? No, one hundred percent, and I, that's never to be discounted necessarily. That's the exact reason why Tim Tebow plays baseball for the Mets right now. It's a good point. It's the exact reason because it puts a few more asses in the seats, and it doesn't cost him anything. 
So it's it's a fascinating study, but I do think that the time with just in the clubhouse with the boys and everybody kind of treating him like, you know, not Michael Jordan, I think that really kind of helped refresh him. And I, I just, it's just was such an odd thing that he just decided to come back at the end of that season, though. Yeah, I mean, I think he thought he could slide in there, get in shape. You know, was it like 18 or 17 games left? Yeah, something like that. And then just run through the East. And, I mean, they just got beat by Shaq and Penny, which was a a great series. But, you know, it's hard to come back and and win like that against a really good team, a really talented team. Um, Although I still kind of feel like if they won that, they could could have beat Mm. Houston in the finals. Right, And and Mike would have seven. But he just was out of gas. Yeah, he you was tell. completely – and, like, I mean, we say he was out of gas. He was playing, like, 40 minutes, which yeah, is I mean, a lot more than guys play in, in games now. Yes. I mean, gassed for Mike is my – Right. And he just – I mean, it's exactly what they said is that it's baseball shape. It's There's a difference between baseball shape and basketball shape, and it was going to be drastic, and it's going to be tough to change that. And – so he spent a ton of time changing it back, which I thought was interesting. I thought it was really interesting in the first episode that they didn't mention Space Jam at all. Um, but they really hit it hard in the second one, which I kind of liked. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, you can't tell the, the story without that. Uh, you know, I really liked watching. I felt like they showed a good amount of him being an asshole to teammates in this one. And that's something yes. that's been a, you know, been a theme of, of ours, at least on, on this show. Uh, but I mean, it, it really, the thing is, is not malicious. No, it just sounds that way, but it's not malicious. It's just really, he, he doesn't operate like most people. And obviously, you know, there's the, the scene of him saying, you know, you know, that's how I play. If you don't want to play the game that, with me like that, that's fine. Yeah. And, you know, it's been like, obviously tons of memes and stuff like that coming off of this show, which has been great, but, Naturally. uh, he was he was either fake emotional there, but I think that was real emotion. I think like he really just wanted that. to play like that, and it was just created the psychopathic behavior because he was right. Was it Scott uh, Scott Burrell? He was yeah. riding that dude's ass, man. <laughs> like, and you- he was such a good sport about it. Even in the even in the you know interview for the documentary, he was a great sport about it. Absolutely, I I. I- think that takes a very particular kind of person to be able to handle that and that's that's kind of why we were talking about the menta- the mentality to be able to handle that kind of just incessant prying and, and picking and and meticulous detail and, and all that kind of thing like I think that's really impressive to be able to handle that and that's that's a skill in and of itself and he's not wrong that if he can get in your head then you're you're not don't belong in an NBA playoff series and that's that's a, a stone cold fact. I agree with that. Dude, what about the story? I think this was in episode eight, the story uh, Steve Kerr was telling from his side of them getting into it. And Steve Kerr straight up punched Michael Jordan. And then he, yeah. Jordan just, because Kerr punched him in the chest, and then Jordan just punched him right in the eye. Right in the eye, yeah. And, I mean, Kerr was a great sport about it, of course, but I, I like that he stood up to him, and I like that that strengthened their relationship. I would have loved to have seen Phil throwing him out of practice. Dude, nope. Yes. I would have loved to have seen that. You He's got to be pretty pissed to throw MJ out of practice. Yeah, dude, like that. You've got to go to a special place to to throw Michael Jordan out of your goddamn practice. That's that that in and of itself is, is huge. And 
I I thought yeah, some of that stuff was really interesting, and I I agree with you. I think that he probably came from a real place of emotion with that. I think he truly believes that. The one thing that I really struggle to understand then when, like, the, this is the first thing I thought of whenever I saw that scene where he was, like, I, I it really kind of touched me as, like, how badly this dude wants to win. And you could just tell. Like, it's it's unlike anything I've ever seen out of any athlete, period. It's, it's just different. I don't know how to describe it other than it's just an intangible thing that I don't think anyone else has ever had or will have the way Do you that he think does. it's more than tiger dude it's really close that's the closest thing i could like tiger in his younger days definitely but i think that's very comparable but the one question that came to my mind is if this dude wants to win so bad and he's so like desperate to figure this out why the hell are the hornets so terrible always well the great players are not always great at selecting talent or coaching talent. But, like, I think, like, all this shows me is, like, this dude's willing to sacrifice anything to to win, right? Like, don't you think that he would understand the importance of hiring the right front office talent? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing we always ask ourselves is how are these owners that are these genius businessmen not making the most simple decision in owning a franchise, which is to put the people around you that are good at their jobs, right? Like put right. the right group around you and good things will generally happen over time. Like, do you think that Jordan was instrumental in cutting Michael Kidd Gilchrist? You know what I mean? Like, I don't No. Right. So like that, like, I don't understand how like you do everything else to the, the highest level period. What, what, what's the disconnect here? I guess is, is the question. Is it lack of investment in, I mean, he only just recently became a made like the uh, majority owner within the last few years, right? Okay, yeah, because he was a minority owner before, wasn't he? A minority owner when it was the uh, the Bobcats. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. it was an expansion franchise, I think. Right. So I don't know. I, I just I wondered about that though, because it's like this is a dude that seems like he wants to to win in all facets, and you think this would be a pride point, but it seems like he doesn't either doesn't really care or doesn't really know what he's doing i mean i think he definitely struggles with the whole like why can't you do this because i can do this why can't you do this i think he struggles with that kind of thing but i don't know i just it, that's interesting and to that's me. a very real thing right like yes. magic couldn't coach bird was a successful coach but he had a he had a good team too sure um but bird was a successful coach who actually coached against uh against jordan uh, and some of the uh, and the, the games later, coming up that we're going to yeah, talk about. Yeah, some of those later years. With, but he had Reggie Miller, he had Schmitz, he had, a, he had a pretty nice team. But for the most part, it's been average NBA players, you know, uh, Rick Carlisle, Don Nelson. It's been these average NBA players that have turned out to be pretty good coaches. Kevin McHale, like all those kinds of guys that are not even, I mean, not like, I would say like average. Danny to Ainge, above, yeah. G, good GMs, good minds, right? Yes, exactly. Um, one thing that we haven't really gone into yet that I found very fascinating is just him losing his dad and how that all went down. What a story, right? Yeah. I mean, obviously they were really tight. Um, I, I actually think that played a, about as big of a factor as they made it seem, which is obviously a huge factor. Yeah. I, think so too. I also think it was a, you know, huge silver lining. The fact that it laid out a motivational force for him for the next three. Yeah. But he had to find that. 
Like, and, and you knew as this was all coming to a close that it was going to wrap up on the Father's Day thing. I mean, that was, you know, like, that yep. was obviously coming. Also, I love the finals ending in early June versus <laughs> nearly July now. But, um, yeah, man, it, it's, I thought that was really eye-opening, though, in a lot of ways. And I think he was probably a little bit lost. But I don't know, man. I, I think a lot of this is very interesting timing wise i guess as far as like his quote his retirement and why all that played out like it did but i i do think this played a part you know so let me lay this out for you there this episode or these two episodes i should say absolutely made me believe that there was nothing involved gambling it was michael was burnt out lost his father wanted to fulfill those footsteps maybe go find you know another motivation find mental peace get away from the you know the press and just the NBA media and then saw an opportunity to come back. If I want to believe that's true and they made that look like it's very true. And I'm starting to believe that it's a good story. Yeah. If it's, if it is not true, that is an incredible story. I mean, this is a league. I mean, it's like, like good job. Good job by you, man. Like you, you deserve to get away with that one. If you absolutely if you put all this together, it's incredible. Absolutely. It's incredible. And like, dude, I thought that all the shit about like the links to his gambling, to his dad's death was fucked up. Like that part, I couldn't. I was really in shock by that. That was even out yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, because it was that level of competition and that behavior was happening before his dad passed. Right, and I mean, he was gambling with his dad. Yeah, like <laughs> you know, like it's that was not an uncommon thing, and I, I think he got a bad rap for a lot of that stuff. I definitely do, but that was bullshit for sure. And I, I really think. Like, they definitely presented the right story here, and it'd, it'd be a hell of a story. But we're talking about, I mean, David Stern is sitting there obviously denying it on camera, but do you think that he would sit there and say that he froze that envelope for the Knicks in 84 for them to draft Patrick Ewing? Right. I mean, like, you know, there, there's a lot of things that that dude has probably done that we don't even know about. Yeah, I mean, he also said it, I felt like, with just a little smirk on his face, and it's like, I don't, yeah, you can't trust what this guy's saying. Yeah, I just don't trust him. Like, that's, I think that's what it comes down to. Like, I want to believe the story more than anything. But I do perfect. understand, like, he's not going to suspend Michael Jordan, I don't think. You can't. There's no, makes you no can't. sense. Could you imagine if they wanted to suspend LeBron right now? Or, like, yeah. no, imagine they wanted to l suspend LeBron, like, after his second one in Miami. Right. Could you imagine how pissed off people would be? Oh, absolutely. Like, there's definitely reason for it to happen, and I think a lot led to it, but it just, there's so many pieces like that that add up that I, it makes me question it so much more than I even want to question it. And I feel like a fucking conspiracy theorist whenever I sit here and believe this stuff, but, like, it's scary. It really is. <laughs> it is, dude. I loved watching uh, BJ Armstrong, who he won the, that was 92, 93, 95 with. Right. And he goes over to Charlotte and just hits that shot and is just talking shit. And then comes out and scores 37 in the first half of the next game. Like, how can you just decide to do that? Right? Like, yeah, I mean, can't, there's, there's nobody else in the history of the game that could be like, you know what? He scored 37 on us. I'm going to do that in the first half. Right. Like that's, it, it's not a matter of will. It's a matter of, or it's not a matter of skill. It's a matter of will for him. And that is right. incredible to me. There's very few people that have that. And, I mean, to go out and disparage players just to gain an edge and just be like, oh, I made something up, might be the most unbelievable part of this whole two-episode series. 
Yeah. And I mean, I think this series is obviously shaping up for episodes nine and 10 to be the most, you know, climatic and, and probably the best, but I really like these a lot more than the, than the first six, honestly. I think so too. Let me Just ask. Just because it gave me clarity. Yeah. It, it really starts to paint a picture of why, like what kind of pressure actually builds in those kind of moments. And we've seen it. We've seen it in our lifetimes too with LeBron. And I think that's the way they've handled it was actually very similar, but I mean, I think it's just a matter of how you look at it, you know, and I think there's a a better than average chance that like if LeBron lost his pops like that, you know, in the middle of the season, like there'd be some sort of or in the middle of like, you know, a, a big run like that, that he'd probably handle it somewhat same the same way. I think we all would. We're all human that way. Exactly. I agree with that 100 percent. And it painted uh, a very human picture there. Let me ask you this. I want to go back to Space Jam for a minute because it was incredible whenever he got out of that playoff series where they lost and he realized, I got to get myself back into shape. They were filming Space Jam, so he goes out to L.A. They build him that incredible gym, and he basically just takes players one-on-one after shooting a movie all day long. He goes out and just takes players on after working out in the morning, takes players on and plays one-on-one until what 10 11 o'clock at night Dude, that's so badass like that was such a flex where it's just like all right you're gonna do this movie for us we're gonna build you this you know incredible state-of-the-art facility do you think lebron I would love is... to see some of those uh pickup games agree do you think lebron is doing this for the filming of space jam anything close to that level of intensity probably not but i think lebron's you know at home setup is outrageous he's also not playing himself into basketball shape either to be fair Correct. So there's a little bit of a difference there. But I think the commitment level of working, you know, 10-hour days and then practicing for another five at basketball, <laughs> you know, is, is pretty impressive. Yeah, I don't think LeBron's practicing right now the exact same way he was, you know, 10, even five years ago. But I could be wrong. And think about, like, all the scenes in Space Jam. Like, you had Muggsy Bogues. You had... You know, Sean Bradley, you had all these players out there. Like, that's how they made it into the movie is, hey, come out and play me. We'll get you in here. And, you know, all of a sudden, Vlade's in one of the goddamn episodes or one of the goddamn parts of the movie. You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy. It's brilliant. It's a brilliant way to get a look at what's going to happen, what you're facing coming up. That's why people like Giannis would never do this movie with LeBron. Nope. Nope. (laughs) It's going to be basically guys that just have, like, Unanimous approval amongst fans and uh, players. Dame, Clay, AD. Yeah, Giannis is definitely not doing this. No, um, I don't. I, Kawhi is not going to do it. You know, anyone that wants to really compete and consider themselves the best is probably not going to do it. Yeah, and that's a shame. Um, I hate to see this be like the Olympics. You know? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I, I do think. Just random thought here. Almost certainly Michael Jordan hates Horace Grant. Like, he seems like he cannot stand Horace Grant. Dude, yes. And I don't, I mean. So funny. I mean, Horace Grant was a huge get for Orlando at that time. Dude, he was fucking good in that Orlando series, man. I didn't realize, like, because I thought of Horace Grant, obviously, just from when I was born, as the older dude on the Lakers. Oh, yeah. Like, he was, was on those Lakers team and won with yeah, them, too. Yeah, Like, I know. dude's a winner, man. Like, yeah, something like that. <laughs> but he was a really good player uh, in the early and mid-90s, and I didn't I didn't realize that. Definitely one of the le- le- uh, less talked about guys, for sure. What'd you think about, agreed, what'd you think about Scotty being the the main guy? 
like I don't know if that was ever going to lead to a championship, but it was going to lead to a lot of success. Yeah. Great records, but I don't know about leading to a championship. And that that obviously strengthens Jordan's legacy even more. I mean, just padding the stats at this point. But did that? I don't know if they're going to win a ring without him. Did that kind of amount to like, like in your mind, would you compare that team to like a modern day Bucks, where it's like that's a really good team no. that's not going no, to win? Scotty's way better than Chris Middleton. I would honestly. Well, no, I'm not talking it. about Chris, no. I, Scotty in that, that scenario would be Giannis. He's, oh no! Well, he Scotty's nowhere near as good as Giannis. He's he's right in the middle of Middleton and Giannis. Well, you're taking it too literally. What I'm saying, what I'm asking is like not necessarily player for player, but I'm talking about situation. It's a really good Bucks team that isn't got, probably going to win you. a championship, kind of thing. I got you. Um, yes, but not even quite that good because Scotty's not the player Giannis is. But like, okay, similar similar roster composition where it's one star heavy. One star heavy. Uh, okay, yeah. There you go. Okay, cool. Yeah, not player for player, because I'm well aware that that's not a thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it would be like, basically, when LeBron left the Heat, and they had that one year with Wade and Bosch where they weren't that great, I think it would be like that. Actually, maybe not even because the second best player on that Bulls team was not as good as Chris Bosch. So yeah, the Bucks is a good comparison. So that was a tough spot for Scotty to be in, and he was really good. Yeah. He was just not an elite scorer. He was never going to average 30 or 35 like my he was going to get 20. But I mean like I I was absolutely in shock in that scene where he quit on them entirely and didn't want to go back in the game. Like that is unbelievable. Dude, that was horrible. That, I didn't realize that that happened. That same. was terrible. That was a terrible look and I don't know. I mean, he <laughs> it, it takes a lot to come back from that and obviously he owned it after the game and and came back from it, but it's probably part of you know we've seen what this guy's done for us and been there 99 percent of the time so we're gonna let let this slide but like most dudes probably don't get away with that shit i mean he's not wet willing anybody in the locker room or anything like that oh no, during but... a fucking pandemic <laughs> jesus christ rudy uh <sighs> yeah I, I, I just i don't know if he was ever gonna be a true one but it was a different league too where like it was not nearly a star star there was not as much star depth yeah and that's we've got into the argument a lot about like the the quality of basketball as a whole between those times and now and while there's so arguments to be made on both sides that we've settled on the fact that the depth is definitely the biggest difference now you have just a litany of better basketball players as a, a general whole and it makes it harder to be a standout star it really does yeah yeah absolutely and it's, i mean it's, that's only going to continue in the same direction. Well, assuming things get back to a, a normal version, but you know, where, where we were progressing with just in the sport of basketball, specifically AAU circuits and these personal trainers and these kids just having dribbling coaches and shooting coaches, at the age of 10, 11, yeah. it's only going to get better. The gene pool is getting stronger. Yeah. Nutritional information, rest information. I mean, it's, it's only going to get better. It really is. And uh, that's why I almost think this is really awesome to watch because it's so gritty. You know, and so just hard work driven. Yep. And I think that's something we lose sight of a lot. The athletes lose sight of in the grand scheme of dealing with this day-to-day -day stuff. And I think it's important under, for people to understand that, and I've said this almost every episode since we started watching this doc, now we're eight episodes into it, that things haven't really changed all that much for athletes other than the fact that they're put on blast more and more often now than they were. Yeah, they then. have to be a lot more careful. That's yeah. changed a lot. Yes, and I, I think there is a 
a, just a different sentiment about it, but it's still basically the same things. People get worn out by the media. They say they get edgier and edgier because they're exhausted and they're getting absolutely hounded. None of that changed. Like it, it felt like the whole we were talking about the baseball career thing for MJ and everything. Like they were just waiting for him to fail. Yeah, they were waiting for him to fail. Yep, they couldn't wait to tell that story. I loved all the the footage of old Dan Patrick and everything. That was awesome. Dude, yeah, DP. Like, was that? Right after he had left ESPN, or was he still with ESPN? He was still with ESPN at that point. Okay. Yeah, that was his early days, so it was really early. Yeah, man. So anyway, it's just very, very interesting, but it, it really hasn't changed all that much from what guys deal with now. It's just probably amplified. Yeah, I, I think guys are actually, I want to say more isolated now in a way of like in person, they're isolated more. They're just so active on social media, but there's there's a lot of like, true human connection isolation aside from their family agreed absolutely agreed and the money these guys are getting they got they got to have you know they got to be on their p's and q's a little bit more i mean the deals that we we keep hearing about in the the 90s it's like like three years for 21 million million it's like that's crazy yeah that'd be great now right (laughs) yeah i mean that's what like that's what like your sixth man gets now or you're like your seventh or eighth guy on the the bench i mean star player the lowest the star gets paid is like 20 i think 25 or 30 is the lowest you can do the max on yep yeah guys are making like uh, on average i mean it's just one of those things i guess where everybody's going to get paid now as long as you just kind of bide your time and that kind of sucks for i mean it's one of those things that's good for the league in a lot of ways but it's bad for the league in a lot of ways as well i mean it's bad for the league it's bad for teams in the fact that if you really want to compete, you're probably going to have to pay two stars 50 to 60% of mm-hmm. your of your cap. But, yeah. I mean, it's obviously what makes this league money is stars. Like, we don't we don't tune in to watch, you know, really good, like, Moneyball-style teams. Like, there's not really a lot of those in the NBA, but we're not trying to see, like, seven role players play really well together. We're trying to see two stars play really well. Yeah, and I think that's fair. But I think there's a so like this this really what this argument comes down to a lot is like should you use a salary cap or not for this exact reason? Because technically, if you didn't have a salary cap, you could guarantee money however you wanted to, and I mean you'd have like a luxury tax type situation to keep it relatively fair and keep tanking as out of it as possible. But you end up giving up, I guess the you basically have a higher upside as far as a contract goes uh, or a limited upside versus an unlimited upside. And that that's where it gets tough for teams to build with multiple stars. And I do wonder in the grand scheme of that, how this is going to change. Like, cause more and more stars, like you were just saying a little bit ago, like guys are getting better and better 20 years from now, we're going to have five Steph Curry's on every team or whatever, you know what I mean? Or, or like not necessarily that player, but like that caliber of player. Yeah, I mean, it's it's I don't know about that, but it is possible that we're going to have not a five lot years, more highly skilled individuals in the league in, in 10 years. In 10 like to 15 it, years, you're def- absolutely going to have that. You already we're have that get now. to a point where everyone's going to be able to shoot. Right. In which case then I think I think that's where your valuable big man would probably start to shape back the other way a little bit more right exactly that's exactly where i was going to go with that but you have to have a cap though if you're going to continue to have small 
market teams. Like, I feel like I got to be here to defend Josh since he's not. Um, the small market teams are going to get crushed if you don't have a cap. Yeah, but you could have a floor, and that helps, like, basically a basic okay. agreement of what everybody has to spend in investment. So that way you're at least keeping even with the market, and you're not just, ta- like, right. tanking assets. But, I mean, if you could just pay teams whatever, like, can't James Dolan just pay – Okay, James Dolan's a bad idea. Yeah, can't uh, the Lakers, the Lakers, or the Clippers just recruit anyone to LA, and then you know Oklahoma and I don't know Utah are going to be stuck with nobody. Yep, be better, be better. I mean, I, I agree with that. I'm just I'm trying to make an argument for the small market teams, but I like okay. I picked two bad. I like some small market cities though. Like Utah is a great example. Okay, a, 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 like perennially pretty competitive. They're never like winners, but they're always competitive. Mostly. Yeah, they're always competitive. Yeah. They're never enough to win it in the the stiff competition that they have. And they're they're probably not going to be. Right. And so that's a team where it would be tough to draw players. So you know what? Be better at business. Work on actually learning how to draw players there, what players want and what guys are trying to do. Like it becomes a bigger, better thing that you can – I mean, somebody's going to land there and be like, I want to try to bring a championship to Utah because that's never been the case. You well, know, it's not going to be Rudy Gobert. They're they're going to probably get him out of there. And no I think time. Donovan Mitchell with another star can can definitely push for that. He's trending in the right direction, and he's sure. 22. Sure. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely that possibility. And, again, you, have, you would have like a luxury tax type situation to keep teams from just spending – absorbent amounts of money year over year over year over year you could severely limit by putting them like taxing them basically more over certain agreed upon percentages for the rest of the league and that way you have a a more fluid cap you don't have a cap necessarily but you have a, a soft cap i guess is what it would be referred to or as. just do it where if you max out three players if you have three maxes you have to sign all minimum deals after that i mean the lakers just did that and it's worked out great yeah i guess that's true well well not max deals. so okay no they did two they have two max deals and catavius caldwell pope's awful deal yep um but yeah everyone else is on on everyone else took a lot less but it's the same concept kuzma's on rookie you know what i'm saying though like it's the same concept three true maxes like they had in miami and that's basically what they did is they had rookie deals and minimums but like you ha- you have to impose some kind of limitation on the big market teams because you're never going to convince a superstar especially if they are from you know new york or la or something to even go to like i'll, I'll give you another example like they're going to go to miami mm-hmm. over indiana a hundred times out sure of well, but like you have, so what you would use, that's what I was saying, like it's, it would be a regressive or a progressive tax. So in other words, the first year, so you agree to spend whatever the, the agreed upon league maximum is. So say that's 300 million in payroll or whatever it is, I, arbitrary sure. numbers. I, I'm kind of using baseball as an example. Sure. That's kind of how it works. Um, so like the first year, so you have three years of not being in the repeater tax, like three years uh, if, if you basically go three years where you go over that agreed upon spending limit, you go into a tax and it's a, and each year that you repeat, it's taxed more and more and more. So for every dollar that you spend on a player, you've got to spend two to put back into the league. So that keeps your, it's a soft cap on the top. And I think that's fair. And I, I like that system. It's just my thought process is 
a team with enough money and enough capital and an owner that wants to be aggressive enough can just try to sign the three best players right. or whoever he thinks are the three best available players to him. Go have this insane three, $300 million team when the other teams are paying 80 to 100. And yeah, he's out all that money. But when you win in basketball, your, your team's worth grows so exponentially yes. that it's worth risking that $300 million salary. Well, and like the thing is like right now with this current structure, it's really interesting because it's all based on league revenues. So right, it's right. a sliding cap. And so like the cap is based on the amount of revenue splits from not, uh, regional and, and uh, national network television deals and a lot of other revenue streams like merchandising and all that. That's why they they have like a player's agreement is to to decide on those splits and everything. And the it, the problem ends up being though in years like right now. So first of all, remember when China was a, a problem for a different reason, and it's because yep. we had a GM piss them off. Like that's a crazy thing that feels like it was 16 years ago. But yeah, like starting with that, and then now we're having a shortened season where we're losing a hell of a lot of revenue. What's going to happen is the max cap is going to slide down on teams over the next few years. Yeah, it was definitely trending in the the opposite direction. It was trending in the direction of of expanding. Right, and so like to your point, it's like you could have like so the the more that revenues go up, the more that they're able to spend on contracts, the more that you're able to have max players. So for instance, the Golden State team. Uh, before they added Kevin Durant, they were able to add Kevin Durant because the league cap moved up so much from new exactly. television money that they were able to add an extra max slot because it was that much of an increase in revenue. Yeah, big deal. We're right kind of talking right about going the other way on it now. Yep. Because yeah, I, gotta, I think that's almost certainly going to happen. Right. And you you got to think about like the television stations and all that even going all the way down to granular level your fox sports southwest or you know northwest west or whatever it is that you watch they're going to want discounts on the amount of games that they didn't get to get to broadcast this year anyway no matter what so there's going to be a lot of hits taken there's a ton of that i mean you know me man i've been a fan of abolishing a lot of that stuff and i think this is this is an interesting look at why those things matter but We'll we'll continue to keep an eye on it, but that was kind of far away from the Jordan doc. What what? Let's close it out with, what are the 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 hopes I guess you have for the last couple here? I mean, obviously, I hope they don't just you know give me ninety minutes of Pippen and Jordan just taking it to your boy Carl Malone, who's not on your top thirty. Yeah, uh, I, I think we're obviously going to see you know a good amount of of game film. Um, but I think we're going to see the tension. That's what I guess I'm looking for is the tension just get to its maximum levels Yeah. Um, at the end of the season uh, between between Jerry Krause and Michael. I mean, even at this point, ownership and, and Michael and Scotty a little bit. And I, I feel like Michael's so far isolated from certainly Krause. Phil to an extent. to a degree. Phil even a little bit. Scotty and the team even a little bit. And it's really interesting watching, you know, just this guy kind of at his, I, it's crazy how he got up against the ropes with nowhere to go. Like that yeah. would never happen in 2020. Never, never. It's insane. And I, so I agree with you. I think the intensity's building is Jerry Krause an asshole because like, he's not even alive to defend himself. I, I, I don't know if he's an asshole or just doesn't get it. Like, a guy that was trying he had the right intentions at the beginning, built a really good team, made a lot of great moves, 
and then just try to do too much and try to be the best. And it's like, you got Michael Jordan, dude. You don't need to fuck this up. Like you yeah. did it. Yeah. Just no, sit sure. back and relax until this guy wants to leave. For sure. I think that he's kind of caught a little bit of a bad rap in this whole thing because he's the only one who hasn't really been able to defend himself, unfortunately. But I, I think it's mounting with him, though. Like we saw that press conference where he just walked out and just took his ball and went home, you know, and like it's it's mounting to a very critical mass type situation here where he's just going to call it quits. I just I wonder, are we going to get into like the Wizards talk? Like what what's going to happen here? Like what's going to round this out? I, I, that's my biggest question. Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. I hope they transition to uh, some talk about his work as the, uh, you know, as an owner and operator of the uh, of Charlotte. I want to see what his defenses is there, but no, hopefully not too much Wizards uh, Wizards tape. Although I went back and looked at it. Those seasons were actually pretty good. They're not bad. Uh, obviously, it's the last dance. So I think the, the finality at is the very the, end is going to be focused on the end of that era. that series yeah. and then the, the retirement from there. But I just I guess I also want to see like was there pursuance by other teams to attract Jordan? And, you know, like did no one have the money to pay him that year? Like what the fuck was going on? Yeah. So I, or I said heard- he didn't want to play for anybody else, but Phil, but it's like, if you're the 20, how many other teams in the end there were in the NBA at that point, if you're those other teams, you fire your coach and you hire Phil. If MJ's trying to come for one season. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I mean, but probably I mean- all, all teams, except maybe three or four that were really building. Yeah, true, but they didn't really have to. I mean, I don't know. It's an interesting thing. I wonder if they'll get into. The, I don't think they're going to. I mean, the the like the Mavs could have fired their coach and brought in MJ. Yeah, he was willing to come. And there was I saw an article about how Cuban said that you know they were close to landing MJ, which is like, dude, y'all could even get DeAndre. So That's um, the most Cuban thing I'm, I've ever. I'm good heard. on that. Yeah, That's the most Cuban thing I've ever heard in my life. Um, yeah, but yeah, we'll. I think that it's going to be an interesting wrap up. So we'll do it. I think we'll do the last one live. I think since we'll do an instant reaction afterwards, because I think that's kind of a nice way to round it out. Yeah, we'll, we'll hop on right at 10 Central after it wraps up. I can't wait to watch this again in its totality and really try to soak it in a little bit more because watching it in episodes has been great, but I really just need to sit down and like over a couple of days, just really yeah. take it in again. I think it'll hold up well in time. I think so too. So I'm looking forward to it. All right, man, let's get out of here. We'll be back next week. Later, guys. All right, later.